Put it in a cloud. Should have just told you to do it, Mark. Uh, the what's stirring in my heart is this coming of the Son of Man and everything that it entails in the scripture, gathering it all up. And there's so much to gather up. And and it's it's like uh, I don't know if you've ever experienced it where it feels like God just downloaded it so much into your heart at one time. You, you've got to go sort it out and process it. And it's some of the things I've, I've known to measures, maybe some of the things I haven't, haven't seen uh, in the capacity I'm seeing them. It's just like there was this huge download here you go and now gathering it up to present it is the if i want to say challenge or uh and i say that in a good way because i love the challenge of the lord uh when he when he does this but i but i see some things clearer than i've ever seen them it's, it's just like uh, the veil, which the veil was done away in Christ, but the maybe, maybe it's the wrong term. The understanding just is shining through. And I'm, I'm seeing this in such a powerful way, great way. I, I love what Brother Lynn Hiles calls it sometimes victorious eschatology. And I believe the church needs to come to victorious eschatology. You know, I, I haven't used that word very often, the study of end times, eschatology, the study of end times. But using that word and seeing it from a victorious standpoint that the cross of Jesus Christ should be magnified. Uh, my mother-in-law spoke on a scripture just a little bit on Sunday in her local fellowship, Oh, magnify the Lord. And we sing the song, Oh, magnify the Lord. We've read the psalm, magnify the Lord with me. Well, when you magnify the Lord, you, you make, you know, and she said it very well, when something's magnified, it becomes enlarged. It's bigger. And if we see in, from a magnified lens what Christ has accomplished in the cross, it, it'll just become bigger than we've ever seen. And then we'll see it again and it become bigger again. Larger, a larger view of him. A greater understanding of him, more knowledge of him, truth abounding in him. All these statements we could say in regards to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we got into this Son of Man coming in glory, and we looked at it last time from the aspect of the Son of Man coming in glory as Christ and the church. Christ and the church. And that's what we looked at last Tuesday night. 
Now, tonight, we, we may get back to that. Eventually, I want to get back to that, okay? But we're going to look at a lot of this, look at a lot of this in relationship to Christ and the finished work of the cross. Christ and the finished work of the cross, the Son of Man coming in glory. When you look at these scriptures, and I've got a bunch of scriptures we're going to uh, read, and we'll start in uh, Matthew, I believe it is, maybe in Luke. You know, this is this is going along with the Matthew 24 lesson, but we're going to start in Luke 21, 26. And I'm reading out of the Berean uh, Study Bible. It says, men, Luke 21, 26. Men will faint from fear and anxiety over what is coming upon the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to happen, stand up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. So I would read this scripture as a kid or as a young man. And I believed it was speaking of the end of the natural world. I never considered it had anything to do with covenants. I never considered it had anything to do with, with the end of an age, the beginning of a new age. I never considered any of those things because my consideration was all wrapped around really the teaching that I'd set under. But as I look at this scripture today, I see it very different. At that time, you will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud of power and great glory. What, what I see here is the old system being taken away. The old system that was done away at the cross being taken away in the coming of the Son of Man in power and glory. That's what I see here now. Now to bring this into a little bit of view, in Daniel 7, 13, Daniel 7, 13 says, in my vision in the night, I continued to watch and saw one like the Son of Man coming with clouds of heaven. He approached the ancients of days and was led into his presence. And so if we'll just consider scriptures for a moment, Jesus prayed, Father, glorify me with the glory that I had with you before the world was. In John 17. Here Daniel sees one coming to the Ancient of Days and coming to his presence. Okay. Now, Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5, I believe, are the picture of this that John is seeing 
the triumphant Christ. In Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5, the triumphant Christ. If you start in chapter 4, you see one, and I'm not going to read chapter 4, but if you start in chapter 4, you see one sitting on the throne. Okay. And you get the picture of the one sitting on the throne in chapter 4. Okay. Well, when you come into chapter 5, and that's where we're going to go, Revelation chapter 5. It says, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And, and here's the result of the opening of the book. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, every tongue, every people, and every nation. I mean, I mean, if you get a hold of this, so much is fulfilled right here. They're redeemed out of every tribe, every tongue, and every nation, and has made us under our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Now, one translation says a kingdom of priests. So according to the translation you look at here, here is a change of order that happens by the lamb ascending to the throne, receiving the book and opening the seals. And, and a question I guess I have uh, is, are these seals that he opens here the same seals throughout the rest of Revelation? Because, because in the book of Revelation, there are the seals that hold back, I believe, the wrath of God or the thunders, the seals, and so forth that I may not be quoting it just right, but here after this happens, there's this wrath of God that's executed on the earth. 
And a lot of people believe that is a future event that's coming. And I would suggest to you that this is what happened in the days of the coming. Now, I believe the days of the coming of Son of Man are still here because I believe Christ is increasing in his body. But I believe they were the days that were coming upon the old Israel that we've been talking about and the destruction that was poured up on them because they did not come to the Lamb. I believe that going forward here in the book of Revelation, what John is seeing is what was coming upon Jerusalem. It's what I believe. And that transpired as a result of the cross. Had, the, had Christ not come, 70 AD wouldn't have come, okay? Had the cross not went into effect, 70 AD wouldn't have happened. But now that Christ came, died, was buried, and raised again, judgment had to come as was spoken in the prophets. Everything in the prophets had to be fulfilled. And so moving forward here is the culmination of all these things. And all these things is because of the Lamb. Everything's because of the Lamb. It's not because of, a, of 70 AD. A lot of people preach it because of 70 AD. It's because it's a result of the Lamb. That's why, you, you know, as much as you hear about 70 AD, the Bible never says 70 AD. You know that? But it says, once at the end of the age, he appeared to take away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So the end of the age came in the person. But what came in the person had to be manifestly declared or manifestly shown upon the earth. And it was manifestly declared and manifestly shown upon the earth through the apostles. Okay. So they began to declare him. They began to declare they are the body of him. Apostle Paul, before 70 AD, began to declare all this. That Christ is the light, Christ is the day, and that he is a member of the body of Christ. He began to tell people before 70 AD happened that we are baptized by one spirit into his death. That we're baptized by one spirit into one body. That you were the body of Adam, now you are the body of Christ. That is very, very important to understand, I believe, even statements like the redemption of the body, because I believe people believe a redemption of the body is speaking of these physical bodies. And what I believe, the, now this is me, and I, I can be wrong and be corrected of the Lord, but I believe the redemption of the body was God taking that body 
that he had brought forth in the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ and manifesting it in the earth as his body, the church. So, so what I mean by that is the old Judaism body was no longer what was manifested. So the old Judaism body was put away, it was done away at the cross. It was put away, taken off the earth in 70 AD. Now, a new body had already come forth in Jesus' resurrection, but now that body was being manifestly declared. I believe that's a lot of what Paul was talking about, even when he was talking about you, you know, for example, manifestation of sons of God. He was talking about the church. That that from, from this standpoint, if if we if we consider this, Paul writes, and I didn't mean to, to go here, but I'm here, so let's just walk down this rabbit hole for a moment. Paul writes, well, I meant to go here probably sometime, but not tonight. Because uh, I got so, like I said, I feel like I may have got a great big download and I got so much to digest to say that I may just throw it out here and then have to go gather it up in the coming weeks. But Paul says in, in one place in Romans 8, they that are led by the Spirit of God, they are not going to be. They are the sons of God. Now, while the Judaism system was still sitting there, it was not manifestly declared, I believe you could say. It was being declared in them. They were showing themselves, so to speak, to Jerusalem that the same works Jesus had done, they were doing. Just like we said last week, Peter and John going to the gates of beautiful and to the gate of beautiful and the man there laying from his mother's womb being healed at the gate of beautiful and going in in front of the high priest, showing himself unto the high priest that he had been healed, just like when he had been with, you know, just like when Jesus was walking the earth, right? This was just like when Jesus was walking the earth, but now it was coming through the disciples. It was coming through the manifestation of Christ in them because they are now his body. So his body is no longer at that point, at least I believe, an individual physical body. His body is now a many-membered body that he has brought forth through his resurrection and they are manifesting that into Jerusalem. And it was very important that they manifested that in Jerusalem, showing that the power of God, the glory of God, the substance of God was now dwelling in a people and not that old system that God had set forth as a type and shadow of the truth. See, see I think where we don't sometimes we don't understand God had set a system in place through the law and the prophets. And it was, it was of God. I've heard people declare, well, it may have not been a God. Moses may have not heard it right or this, that, and the other. I think that's just foolishness. Moses, I believe, heard it just right. It was ordained of God, purpose of God, set forth in the earth, 
to be a testimony of the truth. The, the, the thing was, though, when the truth came, when the true one came, who is Christ, the testimony no longer had a purpose. Its purpose was fulfilled. So to keep the testimony there, alive in Jerusalem, and unfortunately that testimony is still in the minds and the hearts of a lot of believers because they still see God coming and reestablishing the old. That testimony has to be removed out of the heart, but it was physically taken from the earth. And all the wrath of the old covenant had to come because it had been declared. Everything that was said had to come to pass, and it came to pass in that day. In that time period. Now, what also came to pass was everything Christ had done began to be gathered up, revealed. So, so while what I see here, and it's it is so much to say, is that that it's like this two-side view of him. I think what, what it said in one place in Ephesians is the multifaceted. Wisdom of God. Christ, the wisdom of God, right? Well, Christ is multifaceted. So it's like back in Isaiah, and I don't have the scripture here, but in one place it's a day of darkness, a day of gloom. But that, but I believe that same day that's a day of darkness and a day of gloom is a day of arise and shine, your light has come. See, because to one system that day is a day of darkness, day of, day of doom, because this son of man is coming in glory. And to anyone that wants to remain in that old system, it's a day of darkness and a day of gloom. Whereas if you come out of that system and come unto him, it's arise and shine, your light has come. So, so it's, it's, it's like God, and, and to, to say this, it's like when you go back and you look at God with the Egyptians. When, when the Egyptians couldn't approach the Israelites there close to the Red Sea, that cloud and light that was there, that was, was to the Egyptians, one place I believe it was darkness, like pure darkness. But that same cloud to the Israelite was protection, was, was pr the presence of the Lord, the strength. So God to one was, it's like, it's like Paul writes in one place of Christ and says he's life unto life and he's death unto death. So you have a multifaceted Lord. And in his death, burial, and resurrection come these multifaceted Work, works, you could say, or accomplishments, you could say, of the work he's done. So the one is being removed, the books are open. Okay? And there's so much to be said when the books were open. So when you start studying that out, the books are open and, and you're judged out of what's written in the books. 
Now, part of that was to old Israel. Uh, I'm trying to think of the scripture. I believe it's in Daniel. In Daniel 7, I believe it is. Let's see here. I know I put it down. Let me just find it. Yeah. Daniel 7.10 says, And a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him thousands thousands ministered unto him and ten thousands times ten thousand stood before him the judgment was set and the books were open so here the books are open and and the picture of this is here in revelation 5 the books were open. And then if you come on down in Daniel 7.22, it says, in the same chapter, Daniel 7.22, until the ancient days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. So the judgment that had been, you could say, given to the high priest and the priesthood of Israel had moved if we can hear it, it had moved from them to the saints of the Most High. What do I mean by that? The high priest and the priesthood of Israel carried a judgment in Israel to the people. Did they not? Sure they did. You know, everything was there in the priesthood relating to sin, relating to the relationship of the people with God, and so on and so forth, right? So now, here we go. Now the books are open. The king, the ancient of days have come, and he's given the judgment not to the high priest of the old temple, Get a hold of this. But now judgment's given to the saints of what? The most high. See, see now this goes right along with what he says and what's said in Revelation chapter 5. They shall be a kingdom of priests. So now the saints of the most high are the priesthood that's ministering his death, burial, and resurrection. So the judgment that comes is the judgment of the of the son, the judgment of the lamb coming into the land. He that hath the son have life. He that hath not the son have life, hath not life. That begins to be measured out even in old Israel. E even in old Israel, even before the covenant was let out to, to the Gentiles, it's measured out in old Israel through the apostles that, that the Son of God has come and given life to those that believe. And that life was being manifested out of the apostles as a witness to Jerusalem. That's why, that's why all these mighty, powerful works were going on in Jerusalem before the judgment, the, fi the finality of that thing rolled up on them in, in, in 70 AD to show that Christ had come in his glory.
because Jesus told him where he was going to come and be glorified at. Father, glorify me with thine own self for the glory. Son of man, come into the ancient day. Christ ascended back into the Father. Christ, you, you know, you could say being God all in all, all of that you could say about him. But then he said, and I will be glorified where at? In them. So now the glory that I have, I've given to them. I in them, thou in me, that they be made perfect in one. So now that glory that was in Christ alone is now in this many-membered man that's coming in the earth bearing the judgment of the Lord. The judgment of the cross. Judgments given to the saints. He that has, see, see, he that has the son has life. That's a judgment. He that has not the son has not life. That's a judgment. That's the judgment of the cross. Because how did I get life? Know you not as many of you have been baptized into Jesus Christ have been baptized into his death. See, that's a judgment. Do you not know this? Do you, has this not presented itself to you? You're baptized into his death. Everything of the first has been taken away. Now you've come forth in the new. You've come forth in the Son of man in glory. First man is of the earth earthy. Follow with me for a moment. First man, earthy. Second man, Lord from heaven. You have borne the image of the earthy. You shall bear the image of the heaven. As is the earthy, such are the earthy. As is the heavenly, such is the heavenly. That's a judgment. That's a new man. That's a son of man in glory. One, one, more, one more thought on this. I said that's a son of man in glory. I mentioned this other night. The first man fell short of the glory of God. Romans 3 says all have sinned. And fallen short of the glory of God. How many, how many believe what I'm saying is true, scriptural? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Christ come to bring many sons to where? To glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I, I quoted this while ago. I will be glorified in them. The glory I have, I've given them, I in them. Thou in me, that they be made perfect in one. So here we have a man in glory. A new man. Not the old man. Not the old man. See, the old man is crucified. The old man is buried, is put away. What makes the new man new? Jesus said, behold, I make 
all things new. Here's, here's what I see there. Okay. He came. He died. He was buried and he raised from the dead. We know this. There's the new man raised out from the dead. Not the old man birthed in Adam, but the new man that has been raised out from among the dead. I believe it's Acts 13 that, that speaks of Christ this way. Speaking of the resurrection, it says, I believe it's in Acts 13 and it refers back to the Psalms. Thou art my son, this day I have begotten thee. Speaking of the resurrection. I believe it even says that. Maybe I'm quoting it wrong, but you can go look at it and see. Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee. Begotten from the dead. To bring forth a man. Unto God. A man that's in the nature of God. A man that's in the image of God. A man that's in the glory of God. So all of this that fell short of the glory, even, even the type and shadows, the symbols, and everything that God had set forth in the earth, when they were finished, when they were complete, they had to be removed that the truth would stand who is Christ. And the beauty of this is, folks, this is where we are. This is the beauty of this. You're in the truth. You're made one with him. He's in you, you're in him. That's the beauty of this. Hallelujah to the Lamb of the living God. Well, like I said, I probably have uh, uh, some to go here. We'll see. But I just put that out there tonight. I'll stop here tonight. God bless you. Love you. Thank you for your attention. And uh, I'll stop right here. Amen. Thank you, Wayne. I